Hi, I'm Jeff Grayson. This is the second half of a two-part interview. The guys have left the locker room. The halftime adjustments have been made. I think we can expect nothing less than 110%. It's season four of the Bait and Switch podcast. Welcome back to the Bait and Switch podcast. My name is Jim Martin with Chris Beyer, my co-host, as always. Yeah, we always go through this so fast. Slow down a little bit. Slow down. Okay. Welcome back. This yeah. is the Bait and Switch podcast. My okay. name is Jim Martin. My co-host, who's always here, his yeah. name is Chris Beyer. Mm. Hello, Jim. Hello, Chris. And yeah, how is your you, day going today? I was just about to ask you, don't, don't cut me off. Oh, how was your I'm day? sorry. Well, you went a little quick there, so I wasn't expecting that. My day has been pretty good. I just thought we'd slow down a little bit. You kind of rush through these things, and sometimes it feels like you don't care. I just, you know. You're right. You know what? In general, I just need to slow down a little bit. Take yeah. a look at life. Relax. Smell the roses. Next time you'll slow down? We'll see. Yeah. If if I don't, you have uh, you have license to stop me again, throttle it back, and I think what you're really saying is, hey, dude, we got a whole half hour to fill here. Let's slow it down just a bit. Well, actually, I'm not saying that because today's guest, as you're about to announce, I think the time will fly by. All right. Well, today our guest is a comedian who hails from Minneapolis, Minnesota. He's been in an Amazon Prime show called Coming to the Stage. He's a stand-up comedian, an actor, a podcaster. Uh, he's been on a show called The Browns Show with uh, drag, star, drag queen superstar Tammy Brown, also on uh, Amazon Prime. So uh, his name, without further ado, is Mike Lester. Mike, welcome to the show. Honored. It's a great honor to be here. Thank you. Thanks Thank for, you, fellas. Yeah, thanks for being here. We appreciate the time. Yes. Am I going slow enough for you? Yes. Oh, it's like molasses, man. Nice. I don't know if that's it, good or bad. They say, it's know? just, it's like maple syrup okay. just falling out of the jar. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, no, I like it. I like the tempo of the podcast. It's great. Good. Good. Well, good. You're, you're a podcaster as well. How long have you been doing this? My podcast, um, I Love You, Mana, we've been doing it over two years. We have over 100 episodes available out there. We have an amazing Discord community we've cultivated out of it. Our main focus is Magic the Gathering and the community that surrounds that, mixed with comedy and characters. And okay. it's just, it's just a, a great audio treat, as a lot of our listeners call it. Nice. You know, we may need to do something along now, maybe in a Discord for us. We're probably a little old for that group. I don't no, know. No, never. There's okay. so many. That's what I love is, uh, especially in the pandemic time, I've been introducing a lot of people to Discord. Um, as far as a communication tool, you know, you can host watch parties. You know, you can game together in it. You can have uh, great discussions. It's very easy to live stream, especially in these times where we can't get together and play Magic. Sure. We can still play webcam magic and all of our fans can spectate and we get very spirited. Right. Is there oh, wagering yeah. in this game? When you get a four person pod together, there is a lot of politicking like, Hey, if you don't attack me, I'll help you out this way. It's like the Senate, man. Yeah. It sounds like it. You know, you know, we, we play risk uh, once a year 
Amazing. Um, and uh, yeah, and we there's a lot of politicking in that too. Yep. Yeah, the risk game was canceled this year, but yep. uh, I think COVID. Yep. How I about did. you, uh, Mike? Uh, have you had COVID? No, COVID free. Yeah, I'm very fortunate. Um, at the beginning of the shutdown, I was working for a startup in Vermont. And then the lockdown happened and I was like, I would like to go back to my more permanent residence where I'm not sharing an attic apartment with a 54 year old man. Oh, you know? Yeah. That's which, which not that there's anything wrong with that. John is a, is a great man. Sure. He's a listener of our podcast. Mm-hmm. John DeWild, shout out to you. I don't know why all your lights are run off your phone and you like to set the living room to red, but you know, to each his own. Miss yeah. you, because buddy. He, because he can. Because he can't, because he, he's lived yeah. in an yeah. attic apartment 15 years. It's his. Right. He's never leaving. We call him Johnny D. Johnny D. I can't do that. You know, his cat has scabies and he's cool with it, you know? That's taken a little far for me, but you know, whatever. The cat's I mean, infected, but we all love it. You can pet, you can still pet it. You can pet it towards the front, maybe not the back, but you yeah. can still pet it. Let's back up. Mike Lester, the child, always wanted to be a comedian from what I hear. Sure. Yeah. 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 I, I always knew that I um liked making people laugh and uh, I was always attracted to comedy and, and movies and I think just entertainment as a whole. My grandma would give me cassette tapes of uh, all sorts of different comics. Uh, as a young child, I would obsessively watch like the Three Stooges okay. and Abbott and Costello and the Marx Brothers. So my parents were very supportive and they, um, exposed me to kind of a lot of comedy groups that don't get a lot of credit nowadays. I mean, the Marx Brothers were just so ahead of their time. I really learned mannerisms from them, especially that helped me later on in like my character acting, you know, like how to say it with your face rather than just say it. I think Groucho Marx was like one of the best of all time at it. Yeah. The complaint I got about my acting, they said, say it, don't spray it. I think that's a different thing. Might be a little uh, lippy. That's what my acting coach used to say. You do a lot of lip acting? No, but if you push your mouth too forward, some people do that in scenes. And they're thinking too hard. They're thinking about their lines. They're not really listening to their partner. She had a term for it that's a little risque. She called it blowjecting. Okay. Okay, we'll see if that makes the... the right, yeah, yeah, we're going to check with the sensors on that. that okay. That's why That's yeah. why I gave you, because I know there's a, there's a certain way you do this podcast, and I wanted sure. to give you forewarning, but that is what she would say. Mm-hmm. We might so beep better. it. Well, I don't know. We have to have a discussion about that, because we're not beeping. They're going to think it's something else. He didn't say the other thing. Yeah, that's true. He said blow no, jack. No, that's, that's different. Uh, now you said it, Jim. Now we're oh, going to have to beep it a second time. <laughs> I don't think you necessarily have to beep that. I, I feel like you could say that on TV. You're projecting and blowing all the spit out. Yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah. you look silly, too. It's like, this isn't how human beings talk. Well, I guess Trump kind of talks like that. That's oh, true. yeah. He really, he uses too much, like my acting coach would have a field day. Yeah. It's yeah. a lot of lip. I yeah. bet there's a lot of spray there. If you're close by. Oh, yeah. Because he gets really animated, too. And, and, you know, I think that that would be a really messy situation. And not a good diet, either. What Mm. came first? Did you do acting first or stand-up first? I kind of resigned the idea of acting. I'm not, like, classically handsome. So I was like, that's the only way you can really make it in the biz. I didn't think character acting was a thing right I just thought there was like a set number of character actors so I started doing stand-up when I was 17 
that led me to kind of forming a sketch troupe that I did with a, one of my best friends in comedy, uh, Robert Burrill. And we did hundreds of sketches and I actually got discovered for um, this campaign, this commercial campaign I did. I actually have the poster behind me of the, uh, it was called Beware of Robots. No. Oh. This guy, uh, Bryn Bottenfeld was his name. Uh, that was my first big break kind of in the commercial acting world. It just really gave me the confidence to go for uh, kind of media roles. And I went on to do, you know, I did bigger commercials. I did more sketches, I did student films, I did indie films, which led me to get my first kind of a guest starring role on a real TV show, The Browns, which mm -hmm. you can watch on Amazon Prime. It's, it's just, uh, I've always loved it, and um, it just kind of snowballed from the stand-up. Yeah, oh, that's, that's great. You know, and um, I was just thinking, you know, would you have the stand-up if you had gone for the acting like you originally planned, I bet you probably wouldn't have a stand-up, or, or at least it would be much more subdued, I would think, because you would Stan have gotten into this, you know, a character acting. Stand-up was always something I was uh, obsessed with as a, as a young kid. Okay. So I think stand-up would have made its way in there okay, uh, sure. one way or another. Mm -hmm. um, because that, at the end of the day, will always be like my favorite thing to do, you know, mm -hmm. go up in front of a live crowd, do whatever you want to, you know, entertain them for however much time you got. Uh, sure. To me, there's just so much like magic there. That's why this year has been uh, so especially tough seeing all these uh, venues, you know, shut down and yep. just, we don't really have a place to do it, but, you know, hopefully by late fall of this year, we can start doing it safely because that's kind of where I'm at with it right now is I want to wait till we can do it safely and I'm not putting myself or, anyone else get risk. Sure. Right. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. It's gotta be, uh, have you done anything online? Yeah. So as far as stand up, not really, I have mm -hmm. been, um, starting to, uh, build a TikTok. uh, in my TikTok is at just Mike Lester. That's all my social medias. You can find, uh, at just Mike Lester on Instagram, Twitter. Um, but yeah, just doing like short sketches on there again. I actually have a, a few things in the works right now, collaborating with other friends. And then, um, Working on the next season of The Browns uh, okay. has been a big thing on my play because I was hired to write and recur my role on that. Nice. So the writing's done. Now it's just about figuring out when we can all be in L.A. and be safe and shoot it right. And yep. The season that's on Amazon Prime now was originally a Instagram show. And <laughs> I was brought in. Um, I was kind of... Um, going through a low period in my life, my buddy, John Mark, who is an amazing this, creative director. This is another one right now, this podcast. It will be another low period. In oh, no, Six no. I from love, I love doing podcasts, especially when we, I get to talk about myself. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, John Mark, who is an incredible uh, creative director, who's actually from Minneapolis as well, uh, created this drag queen sitcom. And he brought me in. Uh, I was going through a low period and he's like, hey, how about you come on this Instagram show I'm making and you can do some production coordinating, you can do some writing, you can play this role I have for this kind of skeezy paparazzi guy and nice. we just see how you like it. You know, I've had really good luck just just uh, collaborating with people and, um, you know, doing things because I love them and just kind of cultivating that into an, another stepping stone and this crazy career of entertainment, yeah. whatever you want to call it. 
No, that's that's fantastic. So, um, okay, back to the uh, for a second, back to the the stand up a little bit. So, you said you've always wanted to do it. So, do you get uh, do you get the I want to throw up kind of nervous before you go on stage or no? Yeah, there there's always like pre performance anxiety, but the few times I've gotten to the point of being that nervous, the set never went the way I wanted it to. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of developed a way of just like calming myself down day of, because ultimately when you think about it, it's like none of it matters. You know, like if it goes bad, it goes bad. And that's that there'll be another one, but yeah. like TV sets and like, um, in a uh, high pressure situations, it's like, to me, it's like, there's no reason to be nervous because I put the time in mm-hmm. to know that I'm going to do good mm-hmm. and it's going to go great. So I I would say there's a reason to be nervous if like you have a TV set and you haven't practiced at all for like Mm -hmm. two months, then yeah, you should be nervous. Like that's kind of the hole you dug yourself into. (laughs) How, how, how long did it take uh, to find your voice as they say, or your persona up on stage? Um, I kind of came out of the gate, like pretty fearless, like, Definitely the stage presence was there right away. I started to get booked in like all the clubs in Minneapolis and then kind of go on to a more national scale around like the five or six year mark. And then, you know, I lived in L.A. for a few years, got some good opportunities out there, made some great connections out there. But I would say I really found it like around year 10. Okay. You Mm -hmm. know, and I'm Mm -hmm. on year... 11 but to me it's like having your persona down is like being able to go up and uh talk about anything right like you can just go up with an idea you don't need it written down verbatim to me that's like the most boring like if i even see someone like doing something that seems rehearsed it's like it could be a great joke but i'm not as invested in it i'm more of a i like a living in the moment kind of living on the edge type of comedy sure Sure. Yeah. The rehearsed edge. The rehearsed edge. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Have an outline, but don't have it verbatim. Right. right you know, right. have your bullet points, but don't, you know. Yeah. You know. Right. But of course, yeah. isn't that, that's the, the goal of a lot of comedians is to get to the point where your act is kind of laid out in front of you, like you said, bullet points, but then have it come out like you're just thinking of it as you're talking. That's kind of the, the magic of it, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And and I mean, yeah, there's so many comedians I like that. Um, Jeff Tate is one of my favorite comics. And he's getting a little more notoriety now. Like he's very big on like Doug Loves Movies, Doug Benson's podcast. But I remember opening for Jeff Tate at like the Skyline Comedy Cafe in Appleton, Wisconsin. And I was like sitting down and writing. And he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm writing out some jokes. You know, I wanted to pick his brain. I was like, what's your process? And he's like, I never write my jokes out. And I would like watch him do a different set every night. Like one night he did a set about Cheers, the TV show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was just like an hour about Cheers, but it was like great because he would tie in these great stories about his dad and just like parallels about his home life and the show Cheers. And just I think that really inspired me to kind of uh, take the risk to not stick to the script as much. Right. So your persona, I would say, after watching some of your work, at least a lot of the earlier stuff, maybe I haven't seen the later stuff, 
but you kind of play off on that nerdy energy, right? You kind of... Yeah, definitely early on, it was uh, a lot of like self-deprecating humor, you know, because when I started, I was 17, so I didn't have anything to talk about, you know? Like, I, I didn't have a lot of like viewpoints that people could align with because the majority of comedy crowds are going to be older, you know, middle-aged people, you know? So I oftentimes would be the punchline of the joke, Whereas now it's more of a, you know, everyday narrative about my life and kind of social commentary about just what is going on in the world, the development of my parents in their in their later years. Have you had that where you 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 made a thinly veiled reference to somebody in your circle of friends and family and have it turn bad on you? You know, it's they've always really liked it. You know, my mom loves being a part of my material. She would come to my shows and just love it. I remember like I was doing like a one nighter in South Dakota somewhere and she drove out with like my extended family and it was a very like intimate venue and she just she just loved it. I ragged on her for like 20 minutes. She ate it up. She she loves being and it's like I don't know, I think it's an honor. It's like if you take the time to develop a, you know, a bit about, about someone and it's actually funny. That's the thing. It's got to be. It's got to be funny. You can't just be mean digging into them. In my mind, I'm honoring them. Now you've been to L.A. You've been working out in L.A. I think I saw you played at the Ice House. Is that? Did you play there? I have done out in L.A. I've done the Comedy Store. I've done the Improv. Unfortunately, I did Flappers, <laughs> uh, and just a number of other weird venues around there. No, we're always into name dropping here on our show. Oh, yeah. Who have you shared the stage with that people might know? Oh, I remember doing a uh, improv show in the lab. The lab is the side room, and uh, and uh, Jerry Seinfeld came up. Oh, I've heard of him. Yeah, 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 yeah. You could definitely tell he was working out some material. Jim and I have seen him twice. Did we see him twice or just once, Jim? I think just once, yeah. You might have seen him twice. I, I saw him once with you, yeah. Mm -hmm. One time I saw him, it was really good. The second time I saw him, he was not that sharp. He did that thing that comedians do where they say, and what else? Oh, yeah. That's never yeah. a good sign. Or the death rattle for me of a set is like, what do you guys want to talk about? And then it's just like, uh, well, just stop right. your set. Yeah, right. Do you do a lot of crowd work? <laughs> when it calls for it, sure. Mm -hmm. You know, when you kind of have to uh, uh, part the sea and... Uh, kind of herd them back in you know i've had my share of road gigs where you know you have no choice but to do crowd work because mm -hmm. you have to take command yeah. you know right right so of course the opposite of taking command is having to deal with hecklers so how does that go for you i love it i love uh dealing with hecklers i love uh roasting them to the point where it's scorched earth if i have to if i have to sure Right. You know, right. I'll always be nice the first time, but if we get to like, you know, it's three strikes. And then, then the know? big guns. Yeah. And then the big guns come out. And I'd imagine there has to be a time and you don't have to admit to it, but maybe sometimes they might get the better of you and fluster you. I'm sure that's happened. Oh, absolutely. I've, I did a gig in, in a Brainerd, Minnesota one time where a guy brought a universal remote into the bar and kept turning the TV on behind me. <laughs> And I had to ask him to give me the batteries to the remote. I was like, I don't want the remote. I want the batteries. And he gave me the batteries. And then he managed to turn the TV back on because he had more batteries. More batteries sure. right. And I was like, that's there's just creative, no winning. That's a creative heckler. I, I got to give him something yeah. for that. 
Right. Oh, I bought him a drink. I respected that. <laughs> <laughs> who do you? Uh, who are your heroes in comedy? Uh, Mary Mack is one. Uh, she's a she's a very good friend of mine. I feel like she is. She still doesn't get the credit she deserves. Um, she's an amazing comedian out of the Midwest. She's been on Last Comic Standing. She's a voice actor, too, a very accomplished voice actor. She actually does uh, one of the characters on the Hulu show uh, Solar Opposites, um, which is coming back for two more seasons at least. Um, that's from the p- same people that made Rick and Morty. Chad Daniels is another one out of the Midwest that I really like. Um, yeah, I just I kind of like the local homegrown heroes, you know. Sure. Um Todd Glass is a is a good friend of mine that I grew up idolizing and um to get to develop a relationship with him, to uh hang out with him and get to know him and you know, I'm so grateful for the career I've had because I've gotten to like meet my heroes and become friends with them. Sure. Yeah, right. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that's got to be pretty cool. I mean, has anybody turned out to be not what you expected? Yeah, sure. I mean, you get you get some, uh, you know, you get some people that are, you know, you could call them jaded or just kind of full of themselves. They don't stick. I learned from one of my friends that I met in L.A., um, Rob. He's a very accomplished actor, Rob Parks. He was on, like, the touring production of The Lion King when it first came out. He's a very okay. accomplished actor he was like your inner circle is so sacred if the first impression isn't good generally it's like what do you expect with the second and third right so it's like you just gotta don't invest energy into people that are only gonna return bad energy to you because just life's too short that's a big thing for me is i just like to keep my inner circle uh with people i like sure makes sense which i think is kind of a problem uh you know in any sort of business, you know, you keep people uh, in your circle because you might, you know, you might get something out of it. You know, yeah. they might help you get to another level, but that's just, right. that's just but, not my, my thing. And at, at what price then at that point? Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's just exhausting. Yeah. Now you mentioned at the top of the uh, show here, you talked about working in Vermont, the whole concept of the day job. You have a day job. Is that something or are you all in with comedy? I'm all in with comedy, but obviously like this year, you know, you have to do other things to pay the bills. Like before I got back to Minnesota, I was working in Vermont at a startup uh, called Super Plastic, which is an animated entertainment company. And I was actually leading their uh, creative, you know, it's just the the startup grind. I kind of got burnt out on it. So uh, from that, I went into like pest control for like six months. It was crazy at the time, but one of the most gratifying experiences of my life because I learned that I can do I can do anything. If you can work a 14-hour day and get stung by yellow jackets like three times throughout, like mm. yeah, I actually it- had a nightmare last night about like go like I was at the pest control place. I like looked down and I was in my uniform and I looked up and it was like the biggest wasps. <laughs> it was like comically sized wasps hanging from shingles. <laughs> so I still got PTSD from it, clearly. Yeah. It's good for material, too, right? I was right? just going to say, right. Yeah, I wrote a great spec on it. Yeah, it was it was amazing. Yeah. Good Have you times. considered just taking a job just for material? <laughs> yeah. I mean, every job I've ever had, I've written material about it. Like, um, right now I do like a, a part-time delivery, you know, and it's just like the people you run into delivering, you know? Oh yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Just there, there, there's just a bit every day. I got a name for this show you could develop. Porch Pirate or Porch Pirates. Oh. Hmm. Interesting. That's an idea. Well, hey, uh, Mike Lester, Minneapolis, born and bred, Minneapolis-based comedian. Go ahead and tell all our listeners where you can be found at. At Just Mike Lester on all social medias is where you can find me on uh, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, TikTok is a new thing. I'm having a lot of fun on that. Yeah, I mean, if you want to contact me, uh, you can either contact me or my rep, uh, savannah.r.mealer at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, MikeLesterHumor.com is like the landing site if you just want to get to know me a little more. That's cool. If you're ever down in Milwaukee, we got an in for you. We got a guy who has a, uh, a I believe, comedy I believe club. he knows. I believe he knows him. I, in my research, I saw that you did work with Milwaukee Comedy. Oh, know? yeah. Love yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Love the Milwaukee Comedy Cafe. Yeah. So, you know, uh, do you know Matt Kempel then? Of course. Yeah. That's uh, that. Well, that's our guy. He's. You can go back on this podcast and hear an interview with the one and only Matt Kempel. Yes, a gem. Yes. Oh, yep. indeed. Yeah, he's a great guy. So, uh, well, okay. So we don't have it in for you then. I guess. I'll I'll give you a, a season two, episode seventeen. Give it a listen. Well, there you Excellent. go. Excellent. Well, once again, thanks again for coming on the show, Mike. Thanks. Thank you, guys. Join us next time on the Bait and Switch podcast with our guest Chad Honer when he lets some information slip that's most likely classified. So uh, you're down in Mozambique. Yeah, I've never yeah. been to Africa. Chad, have you been to Africa? Uh, not since the last time, no. Uh, but not nowhere near Mozambique. Time. Correct. No, I was in the uh, just a crossroad training in the northern half in Libya. But, Libya. Uh, there were some issues. Um, we can't really talk about it. There's a non-disclosure with the U.S. government. Uh, there were some Marines involved, so I had to leave quickly. Yeah. Did you say there were some Marines involved or submarines? Some Marines oh, okay. who got us to the submarines. Right. It's oh, both. Okay. Yeah, it's, both. It was both actually. You've made it to the end of yet another Bait and Switch podcast. Spread the word.